0: the truth
1: what is going on everybody welcome back this is the thomas Free Me tv and podcast show how is everybody doing this thursday night hope everybody is blessed safe your bellies are full and uh you're tuned in you know got a great discussion with a, a great partner man lot of work up in Michigan. I'm going to let him come on and tell his own story. But from, from Tampa to Detroit, man, from from the warm weather to the cold.
0: What up, what up, y'all? This is your brother, Demetrius Knuckles Hill. Uh, I live up in Detroit, Michigan, you know, where it's cold at right now, 40 degrees, but the fight still continues. I'm uh, the lead organizer for the Restoration of Good Time campaign in Michigan, as well as the lead organizer for the shutdown of Huron Valley Women's Correctional Facility in Michigan. And I'm the base building organized for Michigan Liberation. So, you know, the fight is real. The struggle is real. But the fight is going to be won because we're going to put in the necessary work to win.
1: I love it, man. I love that energy, man. I love it because that's what inspires me to keep going down where I'm at knowing that I got... Good brothers and sisters. Shout out to Miss Shawana. I hope you're feeling better. You wonderful queen, you. And that we got brothers and sisters all across the nation that are coming together against this here. So what's your story in brief?
0: All right. Uh, I served 28 years in Michigan Department of Corruption for first degree murder. Uh, I went in as a juvenile. You know, the United States Supreme Court decided in 2012 that it was illegal for them to, that it was unconstitutional for them to sentence the the juvenile to mandatory life in prison. Michigan fought it, and we won in 2016. I was released in 2018 after serving 28 years in prison. They reduced reduced my sentence to 32 to 60, but I had four years good time, so they knocked my 32 down to 28, and and I got out in 28 years, and I hit the ground running off in the politics, off in the community activism, everything that is necessary to uplift all the humanity.
1: Now, did you, was this something you were planning while you were inside the whole time, that like if I ever get out, you know what I mean, this is what I'm going to do, is, is was this a long thing coming?
0: And that's that's the key. That's a great question because I planned this 20 years before I got out, 20 yeah. years before I knew when I was getting out, I had started planning on saying that when I get out, this is what I'm going to do. When I get out, this is what I'm going to do. So that's the process that a a prisoner must take in order to really get itself out of prison because it starts getting out in the mind first. You got to free yourself in the mind first, and then you'll start realizing some of the stuff that you thought about. You'll start realizing and start acting it out, and freedom going to come your way.
1: What made you take that approach? What, what led you down that path versus just um, just going, you know, buck wild?
0: Well, I was sentenced to life without parole in prison. So, mm-hmm. so you know, after I turned 26 years old, and I was acting a fool in prison because, you know, I was frustrated. I was mad. I was angry. I was young. I didn't have an out date. So I'm like, man, when I turned 26, I'm like, I got to get out of this prison. I realized in that moment that I had life without wolves. I said, I got to better myself. And I started taking programs to better myself because I told myself that I'm getting out of prison. Mm. But I have to get out of prison a better person than I was when I came in prison. So I took all the necessary programs, man. It just, uh, uh, there came a point in my life when I said, I grew up and I wanted to be a man for once. I realized that I grew, I, I came in there as a boy. But now I was a man, and I had to start acting out what it means to be a man. Mm.
1: Just for the viewer to know, this is this is really one of the first uh, face-to-face discussions that Demetrius and, and I have had. Am I pronouncing your first name right?
0: Absolutely, Demetrius. That's what I most people say Demetrius. That's all right, right too.
1: Right. Okay. That's why I just wanted to verify. But but um and these these questions are these are just spontaneous questions that i'm asking this man and these are spontaneous answers from him this is not pre-planned or anything like that but with that being said a lot of people probably are going to hear the fact that you said murder and and a lot of these people may feel like you don't need to be out what what do you have to say to that
0: let me, let me address that, because that's a, that's a great question, too, because that has come up so many times in our circles, and I agree that a guy who has killed somebody, the, the guy who has killed somebody, murdered somebody in cold blood, uh, done things to traumatize people in ways that they can never come back from, that guy don't deserve to get out of prison. He don't. But I'm not that guy anymore. That's the difference. When a man grows up and he realizes he takes accountability for his actions and responsibility for his actions and he decides that, you know, I have to own what I did. I have to own the part that I played in the destruction of somebody else's life. When that man is willing to make that sacrifice to himself and better himself for the betterment of the whole, that's a man that's deserving of a second chance. Why? See,
1: Why, Demetrius?
0: Because if anyone believes in God, like, you know, when you get on a stand, you say, uh, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. God is a merciful God. Mm -hmm. He has mercy. And we pray every day for mercy. So how can we expect God to give us mercy if we're not giving others mercy? So when a man is bettering himself, or a woman is, has, is bettering themselves, they're asking for mercy upon those whom they look to for assistance now. I'm, I'm bowing down, I'm humbling myself and saying, I messed up. I messed up. But I'm really to do whatever it takes to rectify for my misbehavior. Whatever Amen. it takes.
1: Do you think... Do you think with the knowledge and experience that you have as, as, as a human being that's walked the face of this earth, do you think that now that you have, that you're in the position that you could possibly stop other teenagers that were in your position from possibly doing the things that you've done?
0: I think that my life is a living testament to overcoming the struggles. And, you know, my life being a living testament Shows people that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, where you've been, how you grew up, you can overcome your challenges, but you have to admit that you messed up, you have to admit, and I teach youth this all the time, take a responsibility for their actions amen don't wait, don't wait it out and then be so stubborn as to act like you ain't wrong, like you can't be wrong because you're wrong. You have to admit that you're wrong because then once you admit that you're wrong, now you can do the things necessary to make things right
1: that's right, and that's all part of being a man that these 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 young kids are trying in a in a rush to be you know what I mean They think that picking up a pistol or fighting somebody or locking down their block is what a man is. A true man is is takes ownership first for the, for his own actions he don't rat on his partners he don't Put other people in prison for his actions. He is responsible for his actions. He takes ownership. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man.
0: Absolutely. And that, that that that's a good point, man. Because you have so many guys that I know personally that committed a crime, but they let they let their partner go down for the crime because it looked like their partner did it, but they really did it. So they let that ain't no partner, man. That ain't no friend, man. Take responsibility for your actions. (laughs) I'm from the streets. I understand how it goes. But there comes a time, man, when if you really love somebody, if that's your man, your partner, your friend, your girlfriend, your brother, then you can't let them go down for something you did and you can't pull them down with you. You know, we have to stand up as a community. We have to get this out of our mind thinking that, you know, it, I'm a gangster if I don't get caught. Hey, my man got caught up. I I did it. They took my homeboy, man. Hey, I'm still out here. And then 10 times out of 10, you still out here. He locked up and you ain't even looking out for him. Come on, man. Where they do that at? So first of all, you, you, you let him take the weight for what you did and you don't take care of him. Come on, that's called betrayal. So hmm. before we subject Treason. ourselves to betrayal... We should stand up and be, man, or be Be a man. Let's take it. Take it like it is. You did the crime. Okay. Do the time. Because guess what? If you grow up and admit that you did that crime and you grow up in prison, you're going to get a second chance because you're going to better yourself. But you first have to make that admission, man. Take responsibility.
1: Yeah, there, well, there's no question about that. So what what do you think about what's going on up there in Chicago, New York, up in that area about the no cash, the no, no cash bail thing?
0: Man, we're going through that in Michigan right now. We're trying to end cash bail right now. It's a big fight, man. They just ended cash bail in, uh, I think, it's San Francisco out in California somewhere, right, and did what they're doing out there. I just talked to the lady who's a, who is a part of the campaign to end cash bail. This is what she said they're doing out there. So now they in cash bail, and what they end up doing is saying, or wait, saying, "Now we think a person is too violent, so we can't let them out." So now they just hold you in there. You ain't got bail though, so ain't no bail on you. But they just hold you in there.
1: So no, that's not see how how the whole system is supposed to go. How the whole cash bail system is supposed to go is that that judge is supposed to make that determination based upon that case. Right. How conclusive is the evidence that the state have against this individual? Oh. Right. And that judge is supposed to make that determination of bail or no bail based upon the evidence. Right. If, if, if you just got your neighbor saying, oh, well, he punched him in the mouth or whatever. That man is not supposed to be in, in jail on sixty thousand dollar bond. You know what I mean now, if you come and 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 this and 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 you take the knife out of the person's hand that was stabbing the person, okay, then I can understand a hundred thousand dollar bond on this person but it's it's everybody that is getting locked up is getting an astronomical amount of bail put on them. I'm dealing with that with a with a Kevin Bowers out of Texas a hundred thousand dollar bond on a dude that has no money and has never been arrested in his life. Because the, the 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 bail system was meant to oppress the poor. Mm.
0: You know, it, it makes it makes the richer the rich richer because they are the ones behind the bail system. They are the ones behind the bail system. So they making the rich richer by locking us up because what they end up doing is although we don't have money to get out, that means we stay in. Mm-hmm. And if we stay in, they get a certain amount of money to keep us there. So the goal is to keep us there because that's how they make their money. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, hell no, hell no. You got to start letting people stop putting bail on people that can't pay bond in the first place, because now you're monetizing off people's poverty. You're making money off me being poor already. So we 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 got that fight going. We got a campaign in Michigan going to end class bail because it is so fought with inconsistencies, inconsistencies and corruption, that it's unbelievable that the facts, these are the facts, this is not nothing I'm saying, these are the facts that is showing that it's strictly aimed at the poor, because guess what, I'm going to give you an example, I'm going to give you a perfect example, say for instance, I went to jail right now, I went to jail right now, and and my bail was $5,000 cash, Mm -hmm. I don't have 5000 so I, I I get on the phone, I'm like, hey, hey, mom, hey, brother, hey, cuz, I need $5,000. they are like, man, I don't even own the house. Mm-hmm. I don't even own the car.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I can't help you in that respect. I got a couple hundred for you, though, so I'm just going to sit there. Now, say, for instance, that guy with a little bit of money, he say, he say hey, Dad, they got me in jail uh, because I killed the girl down the street. I have a $50,000 fine. Dad say, What? I'm gonna kill you, but I'm gonna get you out first. I'm gonna put up this house, and you better not do nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put up this house for that fifty thousand cash. Mm-hmm. You out. But the poor person who just robbed the guy, or whatever.
1: But what's the difference? Him. What's the difference in being in and out and fighting your case and defending yourself?
0: That's a man. That's that. Listen, it's baffling that they try to use that like it's a difference because it's it's a great difference. Don't get me wrong, but it it is, it is, it has no financial uh, impact on them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Because if I'm out, now I got a better chance of fighting. Mm -hmm. I got a better chance of fighting if I'm out because I can, if I'm already poor, I really ain't got no support as it is. I am my support. So now I can actually fight, I can help my attorney out. I could say, attorney, I don't know that street, the name of that street, but I know it's right here. And I could take that attorney over there. We could do some stuff together to build my defense. Whereas if I'm in, I ain't got no help as it is. So now the attorney don't know the street. I don't know the street. I don't even know. If I'm out, I could say, that's that girl right there that know I didn't do it because I was just at the counter. When that robbery happened, I was just at the counter. That other guy did the robbery. I would... But... If I'm locked up, I can't go take him to the corner store where I was and see that girl that work at the corner store and say that's her. She know I didn't do it. So they try to take a, what they're really doing is they trying to kill any, def- any possible defense that we may be able to build to uh, get a not guilty verdict in the case. They want to kill that by locking us up, the poor people. Because statistics show that Over 75% of uh, 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 indigent clients get found guilty, first of all, Hmm. and and 90% of them, most of them didn't even commit the crime, but Hmm. they just took a cop because they was in jail, couldn't get out on bail, they didn't have no help, so what they did is they just surrendered and said, you know what, I did it. I don't don't want that 20 years. I'm going to take the 10, even though I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have any other assistance, man. So the cash bail system is meant to dehumanize. It's meant to dehumanize, such as when Dick Cheney was supporting uh, uh, pouring water down the throat of people's, of them soldiers to pressure them into giving up a man. This is what they're literally doing. Water, water shedding.
2: Setting.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is what they doing. They got us in these handcuffs. I didn't commit the crime. I ain't got no money to get out. And they pour water in my throat. They say, is you going to admit to the crime or what? Because we ain't letting you out. So you're going to give us something.
1: <clears throat> so what I'm dealing with now with Kevin Bowers out in Texas, and I did a, an episode with the mother, uh, and, and we discussed this, is this is an individual who has never been arrested in his life, Demetrius. So he's, he, he does not know jail. And this is a 30 year old man. He just started a new job, had had, you know, high hopes. He walked into a game room and some teens walked in behind him and robbed the game room. Right. It was like seconds apart that they walked in. Wow. And, and the cops come in and arrested everybody. This family is dirt. Like we're, we, we started to go for the family raised like twenty dollars. This is a dirt poor family. Right now. Now. Hold on. Now, they arrested this man, charged him with 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 um, they charged him with uh, with robbery, simple robbery and slapped a hundred thousand dollar bond on him. Hmm. Right. He's been in jail since August 16th. His public defender has not been out to see him once. I had I've, I wrote a, a letter for uh, the family to send to the court to have this public defender removed from his case. And he just had a court reduction hearing, okay, and they brought that up. The prosecutor supposedly said, I'm waiting on the court transcripts, but the prosecutor supposedly said, we're not hearing that. That's foolishness. The attorney's fine that he has, right? This is what the prosecutor said, but they reduced his bond from 100000 to what? 60000
2: <laughs> Okay.
1: They must have just left it the same because, again, it's like right. what you just said. Why even, why even, why did we even go through this today? Because it's all procedure. Right. It's just procedure. It's to show that we, he asked for a bond reduction, we gave it to him, he took it, it's not our fault they're poor, but this is your charge and this is what the statute calls for.
0: They monetize off poverty, man. Hmm. Listen, and, and, and I'll be the first to say that, that they don't care about your race. They care about your financial status. Classism. Because it's classism. Because you and me from the same block and we ain't got nothing. And we commit this crime. They're giving us the same bond. The high bond. Now you take the other. Don't get me wrong. You will take that other white guy in Sterling Heights in some rich area. He's not going to get that same bond for a, for a worse crime. Because they look at the class.
1: That's right. And, and see, and how that is zoned out, what I'm trying to get we the people to understand is how that is zoned out, homeboy, is through these zip codes that we live in. Right. And when you sit down and you look at the map and you see these zip codes and when you look at all the zip codes of all the poor communities around the nation, those poor communities, 90 percent of those communities are what is, is called a high risk, a high risk area. To, the, right. to our police departments, they're zoned out in red, red areas and they are high risk and it changes the laws. It changes how they can sentence people because they are arrested and it changes how the police patrol. But they are all, all these high risk. They're not. You won't find one in no rich community. It's that's all right. in the poor communities. And I know the viewer is saying, well, but that's because that's where all the crime is at. What I'm trying to get you to understand is tie all of this together. You hear so many people talking about the prison industrial system and how it operates because the poor community is the 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 gears they have turned the poor community into the gears of that industry. Because like you heard this man say, I break it down to the element, man. When you pick up that phone and you call the police, that costs money. It costs money for that cop to get in those these hundred thousand dollar vehicles. And drive down to this house. They are looking, the only way they can justify that expenditure is to arrest somebody and put them in jail. This is why police are coming to look for a crime. And if a crime, if there is something there that they cannot arrest somebody for, they start, they become agitators. They start poking and prodding. They just try to get something because these cops don't wanna have to go back and justify or, or make excuses as to why somebody did not get arrested when this prosecutor's breathing down the department's throat about convictions, this is why they got quotas, right? This is why right. all of this stuff is geared around the prison industry. It's all about money. The video, right. That we watched the living conditions of these prisons. Where's all this money go? Because it doesn't go back into the prisons. Where does the money go?
0: That's, and that's, that's amazing because, uh, if you ever look up how the court systems are funded, look up, study how the court, the actual court system is funded. How does the door stay open? Who pay this? And it's going it's going you're gonna be astonished by the facts because what I did in Michigan, I don't know about other states. I just assumed that it's the same way. In Michigan, the court doors are staying open. Because people are getting found guilty, Mm -hmm. getting bound over for trial, which means that it's like for every child is born and they get a social security number, they get money for that social security number, right? Mm -hmm. So now when a person gets arrested, they get money for that arrest. When Mm a person gets arraigned, they get money for that arraignment. He get bound over for trial, they get money for that bound over. He get denied bail. They get money for his stay in jail. He get in prison. They get money for him staying in prison. That's what keeps the court doors open. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not just the police that's trying to meet a quota. It's the prosecutor who's trying to meet a quota because his quota then gives longevity to a career. Of the all of, them. of Corruption or the corruption system.
1: All the way down. That's right. That's absolutely right. And and now. Now, for the individual that happens to live in this high crime area, this zip code could never commit a crime in their life. But now when I'm trying to get a loan or, or any kind of credit application and I'm putting that zip code down on that application, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to get denied because they're going to pull up that, see where I live at, see the zip code and say, no, nah, this person, look, look, they're going to renege on this on this thing. You know what I'm saying? They're going to default on this loan. We ain't giving this to them. This is why you can't even get loans and stuff. This is why if you're in the poor community, you can't even. It's it's so hard. You gotta maneuver and finagle and damn near commit fraud. You gotta commit crime just to get up out. Because now I gotta report a different zip code just to get approved. You which know, is you know what I'm saying. It's kind of like it, that. That
0: reminds me of how when you go to another a uh, uh, more Upscale community, and a crime happens, right? And they find out you may be one of the people that was at the bar when the crime happened. They know you didn't do it. They know you didn't do it, right? But they ask you a question because somebody said you was right there. So they say, "Well, where are you from, sir?" And you say, "Well, I'm from uh, I'm from Detroit." You automatically now become a suspect. Mm. We got we gotta cross we gotta cross examine you. We can't just ask you. A few simple questions. We got to call you in tomorrow, nah, because you said you from Detroit. What is you doing out here anyway? You know what I'm saying? So now, those, and now you take that into housing, you take that into employment, and you out in these areas, and they say you, the employer say, "Where you say you from?" Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, "I'm from Detroit." He like, okay, scratch that off. Okay, so I'm gonna take this back to them. And all I got to tell my constituents is that he from Detroit. Mm -hmm. That's it. You done. So if you don't have a lot of a lot of things in your favor and you too much, first of all, if you say you was locked up, you Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Then you say you from Detroit, oh, you out of there. You say you from a poor neighborhood, a poor zip code, you out of there. Mm -hmm. So that's the fight that we have going on in all minority, all impoverished, all lower income communities, that's the mm-hmm. fight that we have with employment, uh, uh, health care.
1: Everything. Uh, Everything across the board. Everything. Everything. All across the board. Before you go, you got to go in a minute. Let me ask you real quick. I don't know if you're aware, you know, down here in Florida, there's a there was a group that that um got the they, they got legislation passed for convicted felons to be able to vote. Right. In the 2020 election, and now they're they're coming around rounding all of these, these people who voted and, and and threatening to send them back to prison for voter fraud and all of that. What's your thoughts on that?
0: That's illegal, man. That listen, the United States Constitution said, speaks in terms of everyone is has a right to vote unless you are imprisoned. That means that. You have to be incarcerated for your vote not to be cast. If you are outside of prison, you're on... Listen, I was, for the Michigan Democratic Party, I was the lead organizer for, uh, to end mass incarceration and for voter rights for those who are pending trial, on parole, etc. As long as you are outside of the prison gates, you are you have a right to vote in Michigan. I was the lead organizer. So, because it's a constitutional right, so other states are trying to say it's not a constitutional right for a prisoner to vote, but if, if you're not incarcerated, you're not considered a prisoner, you're considered a parolee, mm-hmm. or, or a, a, your own probationer or something. You're not, you're not a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Prisoners can't vote. A parolee can't vote, mm-hmm. and that's and that's how we have to. Uh,
1: that's yeah, how I know we Have to look at it. I know you got to go, man. Hey, hey, you you say you work security, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who are you protecting tonight? Who are you looking out for? Uh, now we just doing some uh, security at a uh, store right now. Uh, they have a big party at Fifth at, uh, Bath. Yeah.
0: And then tomorrow, tomorrow we got Jeezy.
1: Oh yeah. Tell, yeah. Jesus, tell GZ I said, what's up, man? <laughs> right,
2: right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Hey, yep.
1: good good talk, Demetrius. I look forward to, to a lot more discussions like this here with you, man.
0: Absolutely.
1: No question. Absolutely. I need to get you out of the cold. Get you down here, man. I, I,
0: all you got to do is sin for me. I'm <laughs> all
1: right, man. You stay safe. Be blessed. And I'll catch you on the flip side. All right? All right. Peace. Yeah, peace, brother. So that's it, man. You know, I hope that you guys enjoyed that, that uh, this evening's show. I apologize for missing Tuesday night, man. I had a great show lined up, and I'm going to have to reschedule all of that all over. Uh, for those that do know um, and those that don't know, I do have blood clots in my left leg. I had to go to the ER. They were just hurting too bad. I was sitting on them, and, um, and I just let them get too bad. So I had to go to the ER. And uh, these are the struggles, you know, because the whole reason why I was sitting on it is because I don't have health insurance. It's very hard for me out here, you know and and but what are we gonna do? It's a life or death situation, you know, so it's either you worry about what's gonna happen with the bills or you worry about your life, but these are the pressures that we have coming home, trying to rebuild our lives with the oppression that we have against our communities, and this is this is simply what, what we're just trying to change. We're not trying to excuse criminals. We're not trying to, we're not trying to excuse the crimes that they, they commit. What we're trying to show is that people can change. And these individuals that do change, there has to be a system in place for these individuals to come home that are going to be pillars in the community that can kind of steer and guide these youth because them being in prison, just rotting away, does absolutely nothing and it, it, it's, it's killing our communities. There is no guidance, no leadership in our communities. And maybe that's how they want it. This is the question that we, the people, have to start asking because individuals like me and Demetrius and others, were putting this in their face. We're putting it in legislators' face. I was with representatives last night. I'm putting it in their face. This is what I need. This is what is going on. If you care about our communities, and you, you're you all about this rah-rah stuff on TV for these voters. I'm telling you this is what we need. And this is what I need in order to get that done. So we have to be able to do that, continue to do that. And hopefully change will come. The only way that is going to happen is for... The, that's the great thing about social media. The only way that's going to happen is for dudes like me and Demetrius and, and you know Larry Smith, but just all of us to to come together organizations as many that I don't have time to name, and I'm not very good with names, so I apologize. But so many of us organizations are starting to come together because one thing about groups, a lot of people, if you can if you can direct all of those people and show all of those people, all of those groups, one common enemy, all of those people will come together. And that's what I'm just trying to do is is just point everybody in the right direction. So Y'all go enjoy football, man. Thank you for tuning in. I love you guys. Stay safe. Be blessed. And keep it pushing, pimpin'. Thomas Freeman. I'm out. www.cominghomecoalition.com.